0: Hello, and welcome to episode eight of the Grow Deeper podcast. My name is Ross Furio. I'm here with Mike Holly. We are pastors at Bluff Park United Methodist Church in Hoover, Alabama. And we're just really glad that you've joined us this week.
1: We are glad that you're here. And we're going to keep on with this new focus on the book of Jonah in the Old Testament as we continue to look at his experience, how he grew, uh, how he changed. Ever so slightly. Yeah, I mean, maybe
0: how he grew and how he didn't grow would be a better way to put it for Jonah as we get towards. I mean, like this week, it's going to look like Jonah's making big strides. Oh yeah. But I think by the end of the book, we'll realize, ah, uh, did he, did he experience progress or did he just kind of fall backwards? But anyway, we'll we'll get to that at the end.
1: Yeah, well, maybe growth isn't as linear as we want it to be, and, and Jonah's example is going to be exactly part of that story. So. Uh, because we're a podcast that focuses on how we can grow deeper, uh, either in you know, life or faith or as individuals or as communities of faith, uh, we always want to look at scriptures or stories or questions that help us encounter opportunities for growth. and Jonah gives us, exactly that opportunity.
0: So last week was our first week in the book of Jonah. We were in chapter one and we really just stuck to the first three verses where Jonah is called to go to Nineveh and he decides that uh, he doesn't think he wants to go to Nineveh for various reasons. He makes his way down to a port city called Joppa and hops on a boat to go to Tarshish. And that's, that's where we left off. We were asking questions like, what is your Nineveh? You know, what are things that one thing or a person or multiple areas of your life where you feel like God is calling you to go and do something? And then how or using what to distract yourself, are you running away from that? Uh, What is your tarshish?
1: Yeah, and those were really piercing questions, and it got me thinking last week, and I hope it did for you as well. Uh, But now we get to the point where Jonah is, you know, as we left off, he's running away. And this is the part of the story where we find what happens after he's on his way towards Tarshish.
0: Yeah. So I think we decided we're going to finish reading chapter one. We read the first three verses last week. We're going to finish reading it. It's only through verse 17. Um, And then I think this week we'll probably end up talking about chapter two as well. But for now, we're just going to read chapter one. So again, Jonah, he is getting on the boat to go to Tarshish. And then we pick up with verse four. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down to the hold of the ship and had laid down, and he was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up and call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us as a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? He said, I am Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous." He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And my goodness, is that a jam-packed chapter one.
1: And, and hold on, hold on, hold on. I always thought he was in a whale, not a big fish. Me and Mike were talking about this before we <laughs> hit record.
0: Listen. I, I'm just saying, I think it could have been a whale. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think it really matters. Was it a big fish? Was it a small whale? I don't know.
1: But, I mean, come on. Every time you hear this story, especially in like children's church or Sunday school. You're right. You're
0: right. They, they, do, they do say fish. It's, they, it's they whale. Say fish.
1: But then you hear it from the Bible and it's fish. I mean, come on. Is it a whale?
0: Is it a fish? Does it really matter? I don't think so.
1: I don't think it does.
0: I don't think it does. But okay, so so there there's a lot going on yes. in what we just read, a lot. And again, you know, one thing you figure out about Jonah really quickly when you when you pick it up and start reading is that the narrative just moves so fast. It does so so fast. So much happens I mean, in seventeen. The the, verses. the the story of Jonah that you know the best and that I think many of you might think is the whole
1: story of Jonah is just the first chapter. It's just the first chapter. Right. There's a lot more that comes after this. And, and so, first of all, that makes me think about there are consequences to his actions. And that's what verses 4 through 15, 16 really are about. There are consequences to his running away from what God has called him to do. Right,
0: right. So Jonah he gets on the boat. He goes down to the belly of the ship. See what I'm doing there? Ah. Right. He goes down to the belly of the ship. And he falls asleep because listen, Mike, running from God is exhausting work and he's been under a lot of stress and he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And, you know, I think probably for a few days now, he's just wanted to curl up in a ball and take a nap and he can finally do that. And as he's sleeping, the Lord hurls this mighty storm onto the boat and everyone is suffering the consequences of Jonah's actions, except for sleepy baby Jonah. (laughs)
1: It, think about this. I mean, the the people up at the top of the ship are freaking out. They're, they're-
0: throwing their belongings off. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> they are they are in fight or flight mode doing everything they possibly can thinking that, okay, this is it. This is what's going to do me in. This is how I die. Right. I die in a storm. And meanwhile, Jonah is
1: just sound asleep down there, dreaming a sweet lullabies. So maybe he is just, like, flat out tired from running away from God, like you said. It's exhausting to run from it's exhausting God. Exhausting work. But I mean, come and on! And it's hard
0: work, my goodness, to it's, run from God, to run from who created the dry land and the sea. I mean, goodness, there's nowhere you can go.
1: Well, and like you said last week, he tried to go as far as he could to get away from God. Well, guess what? He couldn't do it. No matter how <laughs> far he goes, <laughs> no, he can't no, get away. Can't, can't. But, but you know, I mean, how in the world is he sleeping through all this? It doesn't make sense. No, and it I doesn't think make that sense. The anxiety and uh, the fear. Uh, is just really, really tangible when the captain come down comes down and says, How in the world are you sleeping? Right? Yeah,
0: I mean, he comes down and he's like, he's like, What what are you doing? We need your help. Get up and who whoever your God is, we don't care. Whoever your
1: God is, call on them. Right.
0: Because none of our gods are doing anything about this. Right. And we're about to die.
1: You know, I know this may be not the kind of thing that flashes up in your head, but it does for me. There's that scene in Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights where he thinks he's on fire and he's running around and he's like, "Help me God, help me.
0: Help me Oprah. Help me Oprah. Help me." Help me Tom Pitt. Cruise Tom is Cruise. God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like just call out for anybody. Yeah, and so they're, they're, That's where they are.
0: Yeah, they're in desperation mode. Captain goes down and gets up, gets up Jonah, the sailors are up on top of the ship and they start casting lots, right, to try and figure out, okay, where is this coming from? Well,
1: what is the reason for this?
0: And the lots fall on Jonah.
1: And so, you know, obviously we start to ask, like, what, what in the world is casting lots? Is, is this like some kind of weird lottery? Uh, is, this, is this just kind of a Ouija board uh, for them? And in a way, kind of. You hear about casting lots, like, Ross, you said before we started the uh, recording today that they cast lots for Jesus' clothing. Right. At right, the crucifixion. Right. But, you know, in a sense, casting lots was this, this sort of ancient practice of, in a sense, drawing straws, but the idea was that if they did it the right way, if they did it hoping and believing that God would uh, show them the right way, then it would be a divine revelation that God would allow the person who is really responsible to get the right lot, to get the longest straw, whatever it is, the shortest straw, and that's what happens. Uh, they're, they're casting lots, and Jonah pulls out the one that shows that it's his fault. Yeah.
0: So they start asking them questions.
1: Who are you? What do you do? Where are you from?
0: Who's your God? What people are you? Like, what kind of pool do you have, man?
1: Like, uh, <laughs> this is all for you? Are you serious? Well, and and, and I, I'm, I've got the English uh, uh, standard version right here. And it's like, what is your occupation? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. What is your job? Like, what in the world does that have to do with it? But, you know, it, it's who are you? Why is this? Happening to us, what is so special or different or wrong with you that this has happened to us? Yeah.
0: And he says, I'm a Hebrew and he says, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And I hope you I hope you like see the irony in that that Jonah knows that the God he worships made the sea and he thought that he could get on a boat and escape the presence of God. And I think the sailors like kind of see that because their response is, "What is this you have done? (laughs) Like, are you serious? You You, drug us into this, and your God made the sea. Your God isn't some like family cultic god that you're running from that lives in your house. You're you're talking about the
1: God that made the sea, and you're on a boat with us. Your God can control the sea." And yet you got onto a boat. You made this happen to us. Yeah. And what so What were you thinking, yeah, right?
0: And so they say, you know, well, okay, what what do we have to do so that
1: the sea will quiet down? Yeah, but think about this. I mean, the the question that they have is really valid. What were you thinking? And the answer was, he wasn't thinking. All he cared about was getting away from God, and he got on the boat and endangered them. Now, did he know that a tempest was going to come? No. But— he wasn't thinking about how his running away was affecting others. He was only living within the bubble of how it's affecting him.
0: Which is, I think, maybe one of the more uh, powerful takeaways from the book of Jonah, especially this first chapter. And it's that uh, if you aren't dealing with the stuff in your life, then everybody else is dealing with the stuff in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we see with Jonah here. And I mean, I think the way that would correlate for us would be things like, If you aren't dealing with your anger, then everybody else around you is dealing with your anger. If you aren't dealing with your anxiety, then everybody else around you is dealing with your anxiety. If you aren't working through your grief, then everyone else around you is dealing with your grief. I think it's a fact of life, right? Even if we don't like to name it, that if we don't deal with the stuff in our life, then everybody else ends up dealing with the stuff in our life.
1: Yeah, and you think about how like a cup of tea is made. You've got tea leaves that soak in— in water and, and slowly over two, three, five minutes, all of that stuff sort of gets into the water. And it's possible that you don't notice it, but you're kind of seeping that anxiety, right. that grief, right. all that stuff you're talking about. But let's be honest. Sometimes we're aware that this is happening because we will take out our anger or our grief on other people. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to do that. It is, it, it is not, if we don't deal with it, like you said, it's going to come out in some way.
0: Yeah, I just I think that is one of the more profound takeaways from this book, that when I first grabbed hold of that takeaway, I really feel like it smacked me in the face. And I'd never really seen the, the story of Jonah like that, but it's just so true. It is. He runs away. He climbs into a ship. Everybody else has to deal with the consequences of his actions except for him at least until he wakes up.
1: And until he wakes up and they cast lots, and it's clear as he's telling them who he is and why this is happening, he finally, in a sense, owns up to what he's done.
0: Yeah, I mean, they say, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? And look, he he gets it at this point. And he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. And the men don't want to do it because they're good guys. They they don't want to throw Jonah overboard. Jonah can finally see it. He can finally see that the only way for it to stop for them is, I guess, for him to be thrown overboard. I think this is a redeeming part of Jonah's story in the sense that he he takes ownership of what he's done. I also think it reveals his stubbornness even more. Like, Jonah is at a point here where he doesn't say, turn the boat around. Right. He says, throw me overboard, which tells me, I think he would rather die than go to Nineveh at this point in his life. I think he would just rather die. Throw me overboard. If, if that's my faith and that's my fate, I'm not going to Nineveh. Throw me overboard.
1: So he's already run as far as he can go and he's still not away from God. So it's, yeah. you know, throwing the towel, right?
0: You know, and I don't want to, I think, again, I think there is a positive light to it, right? He does own it, and, and I think that is a redeeming quality of Jonah. But I, I don't think we can pretend and say that Jonah is having a moment of self-discovery here and is turning back to God by saying, throw me overboard. There may be a part of that, but I think there's also a part of, God, you're not going to win this. right? I, I'll, I'll, I'll die before I, I go do what you're calling me to go do.
1: But, but he does at least own up to, this is my fault, and, and he's taking— <laughs> some
0: responsibility for it? He, he is taking responsibility for it. He's taking responsibility for what is happening to the sailors. But he, he is, doesn't want to change. He's not taking responsibility for God's call upon his life. Yeah, yeah. He's just saying, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll do something. I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that this will only affect me and will stop affecting you, which is progress. I mean, hey, listen. It's better. That's progress. That's better than being asleep in the in the hole of the ship.
1: It is. And, and then we get to the point where, like you said, they seem to be pretty good guys. Right after he says, throw me over, they don't do it. They try to fight the storm and row even harder, uh, but it doesn't work. And yeah. so they, they so basically—
0: they, they they pray to Jonah's yeah. God. You know, if you if you have your scripture open, you can see that in verse 14, when the sailors cry out to the Lord— up to this point, when the captain or when the sailors have been referring to God, it's been a lowercase g, which tells you they're not, they're not talking about the Lord of lords, right? right? Here, in verse 14, before they throw Jonah off, they are praying to the Lord God, right? Please, O Lord, we pray, don't let us perish on account of this man's life. Don't make us guilty of innocent blood. We're trying to do the right thing here. So they offer up a prayer, hoping that it takes, right? Hoping that they're not going to be punished for doing this. And then they throw Jonah overboard.
1: And the sea stops. And it does, immediately. And of course, they they worship and they oh, yeah, make course, vows. Of course,
0: after that, they're like, oh my gosh, you're the real deal. <laughs>
1: um, but that's not the end of the story because Jonah doesn't sink and die at that point. Um, he survives. And it's all because God uh, speaks to, calls out to, appoints a great fish, whale, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> to swallow up Jonah. And he's in that... that fish for three days, three nights.
0: Yeah. I mean, my, the NRSV says the Lord provided, what is, what does your ESV say?
1: Uh, appointed. Yeah. Okay. But either provided, way, either yeah. way,
0: God places a fish there to save Jonah. And, you know, I feel like often this story is told to children in a way that God saved Jonah from the belly of the fish when really God saved Jonah from the raging seas through a fish. Or at least that's how it was told to me as a child, that that Jonah was stuck in the belly of a fish and God worked in such a way that the fish spit Jonah out. And that was when Jonah became saved. When really he jumps into seas that should kill him and he deserves it, right? And apparently he's prepared to die. And the fish is who saves him. I mean that's his savior. The that's fish. his lifeboat. Yeah. And so I do think I do think there's some hope and good news here, right? I mean when Jonah does finally take ownership over his actions, God shows up.
1: He provides a way for Jonah to get another chance. Yeah,
0: I mean God shows up. I don't think Jonah would have chosen for God to show up through the intestines of a of a fish. I would
1: Imagine not.
0: But God shows up. And so I think we can hold on to that, right? I mean, when we finally go to God with with what we've been avoiding, I think we can trust that God'll show up. May not be the way we want God to show up or how we expect God to show up, but it seems like God's gonna show up somehow.
1: Yeah, and I don't think you and I, if we're ever on a boat in the midst of a storm, are gonna say I'm going to jump off this ship, and God's going to send a whale over here. I hope not. I hope not. Uh, We're not going to do that. But but I do think what that says is is that when you're in the midst of a storm, when you're in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death or whatever you're going through, instead of focusing on how bad things are or how bad things are getting, you might want to lift up your eyes and say, is God providing something for me in the midst of this? Whether it be a friend, a neighbor, a situation— uh, you know, a, a rainbow in the sky? Um, something. Is God is God providing some level of hope or assistance to me?
0: Yeah, and and which leads us to chapter two, because Jonah does exactly that. This is, without a doubt, the high point of character for Jonah in this book, right?
1: He's so much better than he was. He gets before. swallowed by the fish.
0: That's, the, that's where we leave off in chapter one, and then chapter two picks up. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. And this is what he says right out of the gate. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me, and you showed up. Jonah worships and prays in the belly of the fish. He's He's wide wide awake He is like a completely different person. Yeah, I love that. He sleeps in the belly of the ship, and he's wide awake in the belly of the
1: fish. He's wide awake, (laughs) and he knows uh, that God has saved him, and he knows that God is going to rescue him. And doesn't mean that he's completely changed yet, but he's definitely worshiping God, praying to him, and thanking him for his goodness.
0: Yeah, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. It's a beautiful chapter. It is. It is so uncharacteristic of Jonah, but it is a beautiful chapter. It is. And I think it's kind of like what you were saying. It is a a strong model for us to look for hope in the midst of storms or in the midst of adversity. Because I think Jonah puts on a clinic when it comes to that. He's in the belly of a fish, but he realizes that God's working in miraculous ways all around him, even though... I don't think he would ever choose to be in the belly of a fish.
1: And you know, you think about times in your life where uh, God has showed up or things have worked out for you. It's usually never perfect. It's usually messy, uh, sometimes ugly in the way it works out. But it does, and and in a sense, that's our fish. That's our big fish, where we where we get through uh, with the people that God has given to us. And and so for me, I think this is a like you said, it's a beautiful. Um, Snapshot of his joy, his worship, his thankfulness in the midst of a very terrifying situation, mm. and and the fact that you know maybe we may not be able to sing a song like this yet in the midst of our troubles, but that maybe one day we can, you know, we may not immediately feel like Jonah in the midst of our troubles, but one day will we be able to sing out uh, and praise God for getting us through? Maybe in the hope that that can take place is just powerful enough to hopefully get us through.
0: So Jonah spends three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And then chapter two ends this way. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. We would assume somewhere close story started by Joppa. And,
1: and so here's, here's the question. Um, if, if it was a whale, did he get shot out of the blowhole?
0: Mm, I love that image. Love that because then I just see it like a rocket. Right, you know.
1: Well, yeah, you know, the 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 translation uh is is different from so many places like the ESV, it says it vomited him out. Mm. Uh in my kids' Bible, the the one that my children him out? have read. No, 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 burped him out. Ooh. I love that one. Nice. Yes.
0: I, I was, would think that for a fish, swallowing a human would give him a little bit of indigestion. I think so. A little bit of heartburn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But but it doesn't really matter how Jonah got out, he got out. And he's on dry land, right? He's back where he needs to be to get back on the road to Nineveh. Which is where
0: most of our understandings of Jonah's story stops here. And so I think it makes a whole lot of sense why we see Jonah the way we see him. Because if, if the story stopped here and we didn't know what happened in Nineveh and, and how Jonah reacted, I think Jonah, we would think that, okay, he's on the right track. He he had his moment, he stumbled, he didn't want to do it at first, but he just like almost everybody else that we've seen in scripture that is a hero has resisted the call of God at first and then goes on to do great things. And I don't think we have any reason to expect anything differently from Jonah up to this point.
1: Yeah. And so remember back to last week how we said that Jonah is running away, not only because he is likely afraid of the Assyrians and the horrible stuff that they have done and might do to him, but he's also running away from God and what God will possibly do to bring forgiveness to them. Mm. And he wants to run away from that. He just wants to get away from that. This is all um, happening in the midst of of his fleeing. Now that he's back on dry land, he's going to go. And the question is, how effective was that three-day, three-night stint in the fish. Is it enough to completely change him Uh or just to get him back on the road?
0: Are we looking at Jonah as a transformed person? I mean, is he made new? Is he on board with what God's calling him to do
1: or not, or kind of? Because if you're talking about like the way we think about this from a, you know, vacation Bible school, children's church thing, you really look at chapter one, verses 17, about how he gets in the fish. You look at all of chapter 2 where he praises God and gets out of the fish, and it looks like this neat package story of God saving somebody. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, I don't know.
0: I don't, it, it, there's no wonder people stop reading here, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: But knowing what we know now uh, about his fleeing from God and his time on the boat, now we can look forward and say, is he going to abandon the hatred? In fear of the Ninevites, or is he going to go in still bearing a grudge and and in a sense, you know, you know, a, a fear that God might save these horrible people. Yeah. Is he gonna be is he willing to carrying that? Is he gonna not? be willing
0: to be used as a vessel to go save people that he's not the biggest fan of? And I guess as, we're
1: just gonna have to decide that next has
0: week. Has he really changed? Yeah. And I guess we will. Maybe next week and the week after when we cover three and four.
1: Yeah. Well, we thank you for joining us today. This is, again, such a powerful story that we can learn from and we can uh, grow along with Jonah and maybe see the places where we're taking strides and maybe see the places where we're lagging behind like he has in his life.
0: That's right. We appreciate you listening, and we will catch you next week.